My name is Don, and I've been a Catholic priest for over 50 years. During that time, I've pondered these readings over and over again and have discovered something that I never saw there before. It's given me new hope, new energy, new image of what I do and how I do it. I pray the message that I'm sending you will be equally valuable to you. If you find it so, please share these podcasts with your friends. Thank you. Today, we celebrate the 14th Sunday of Ordinary Time. The Opening Prayer O God, who in the abasement of your Son, who raised up a fallen world, fill your faithful with holy joy, for on those you have rescued from slavery to sin, you bestowed eternal gladness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament, from the book of Zechariah, ninth chapter, ninth to tenth verse. Thus says the Lord, Rejoice heartily, O daughter Zion! Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem! See, your king shall come to you. A just Savior is he, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the fowl of an ass. You shall banish the chariots from Ephraim and the horses from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow shall be banished. He shall proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. A reading from the New Testament from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, 8th chapter, 9th verse, and the 11th and 13th verse. Brothers and sisters, you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are living in the Spirit. If only the Spirit of God dwells in you, Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give you life to your mortal bodies also, through his Spirit that dwells in you. Consequently, brothers and sisters, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. The word of the Lord. Hallelujah verse. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. The gospel for this 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time is taken from St. Matthew 11th chapter, 25th to 30th verse. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor, and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, 
and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. If I got my ticket, can I ride, Lord? If I got my ticket, can I ride, Lord? If I got my ticket, can I ride, ride away into heaven in the morning? I hear you talk about the gospel train. I want to get on it. Yeah, that's my aim. Turn up the station and patiently wait. The train is coming and it's never late. So long coming that it worried my mind. I thought it was late, but it was just in time. Lord, if I got my ticket, can I ride? Lord, if I got my ticket, can I ride? Lord, if I got my ticket, can I ride? Ride away in the in the morning. I hear the roar. It was clicking and clacking, but didn't strain. I hope to be ready when the train will come. My ticket's all right, and my work's all done. Jesus be the ticket, and the Holy Ghost guide me. Then they show me no way that I'll be left behind. Lord, if I got my ticket, can I ride? Lord, if I got my ticket, can I ride? Lord, if I got my ticket, can I ride? Ride away. I Got My Ticket was performed by Jubilant Sykes. The opening prayer is always a fascinating way to uh, begin to work on the scriptures that I have before me. And this opening prayer is really interesting because it says, for those who I have rescued, Jesus' role is to rescue us from the slavery to sin and bestow on us gladness. What does it mean to be rescued from the slavery to sin? In my earliest years of learning about the God who I have grown over these last many years to, to begin to really know personally, I mean, the way he was presented to me was, was so much of a caricature of who he is because one of the motives it would seem to me as I look back on my early days in the church with my family 
what what seemed to be the challenge of a young boy or girl was to be obedient, obedient to their parents, obedient to God. Obedience was the big thing. And any time you were not obedient, that was called a sin. So what happened when you sinned is, and this is the part that is, in a way, very sad for a lot of us that grew up in that kind of environment where we were told then we lost God's favor. And he was angry, and even so angry that if we didn't go to confession and get the help of a church person, a priest, to talk God into forgiving us, we would go to hell if we died. So it was a really interesting way to begin this relationship with God, to whom I have a very, I think, wonderful, wonderful relationship with him, because to me, he is the antithesis of that. He is an absolute, unconditional lover. Nothing, nothing can change his desire to bring life to you and to me. He is so deeply connected, personally involved, um, engaged in our life. That's, that's the whole message of Scripture. It's that the God who is in the law, the God who is in these um, systems, is, is finally revealing himself in the New Testament as a God of intimacy, a God who enters into us, a God whose spirit dwells in us, and so when I was in that old system, the biggest mistake that I, I made was I had to get rid of sin. I, I've got to get rid of sin. That was my, my, my seven-year-old brain saying, okay, this is not that hard because, you know, to be honest, you, you know, make your bed, keep your room clean, um, say thank you. I mean, it wasn't hard. So I, I took it on as, okay, this doesn't seem to be difficult. I'll, I'll do it. So I'll be the best little boy. And that lasted for a while until I began to have all these other feelings inside where there was something in me that seemed to be not in sync with what God wanted. And it was mostly around my, as you grow into this, it's, it's around your sexuality. It's around your, your drive, and, and it's called sometimes the flesh. And we see Paul warning us in this, in this second reading about, you know, beware of the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. And what's interesting about that image of the flesh in Scripture is it's, it's, it's often almost directly related to sexual sins. And that makes sense because flesh, come on, that's what we're attracted to, someone else's flesh. And what's interesting about what, what Jesus is trying to say is that I have come into the world to invite you into a world that is not what he would call living in the flesh, but living in the spirit. So what does that mean? Well, living in the flesh means living solely out of the most basic human drive we have, self-preservation. It's a tremendous power inside of us, this thing we call our ego, our our will, and, and it, 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 it's, 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 when it sees something at once, it goes after it. I mean, it really wants that and can disregard all kinds of rules and laws and, and disobey rules and laws in order to satisfy the flesh. All right. So it's, it's the self-centered part of every human being, and that is, yes, partly 
exposed, I guess you'd say, by our sexual drive. But but it's much bigger than that. It's it's more about the 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 fundamental human dilemma of feeling we supposed to be in charge. We are supposed to be the source of everything. We are supposed to be the one who accomplishes things. It was the sin of Adam and Eve. I'm always irritated when I listen to people talk about the sin of Adam and Eve, and they made it sound like, well, God sat there and thought about, we well, hear the laws of God, and um, they really didn't know. They only had one. Don't. It's almost like, don't eat the cookie that's on the counter, you know. But their human nature was such that you know they were they were they were innocents and and they were in a way primitive when it comes to evolution of their understanding of who they are. But what they really wanted more than anything else, which seems very normal for a human being, take an adolescent who said, "I want to make my mark on the world. I want to accomplish something. I want to do something." And so, what the devil was doing is just awakening in them this natural drive in human beings called the flesh where they would like to be basically the source of most everything. (laughs) And so you look at that and you say, okay, well, that's then somehow, that's the nature of sin, to be wanting to be in charge. And, And another thing about the sin of Adam and Eve is that they were really looking at the world with a kind of primitive egos, I mean, a primitive consciousness a lot of ego, and basically what they were looking at is they wanted somehow to be the ones that could determine what was right and what was wrong, a binary world. I mean, that's what I was taught. There's a binary world out there. Little Donnie, Donnie, uh, there's a bad thing and there's a good thing you can do. They're two different things. Now, what you got to do is never do the bad thing and always do the good thing. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, you've got to be in charge. You've got to control Now, if you're given a job that you can't accomplish, or at least if you do try to accomplish it, it's never going to be successful, I would call that slavery. You can work yourself into a relationship with sin, which the opening prayer says, please, God, free us from this, where your work all all through your life is, how can I stop sinning? Now, one of the easiest ways to stop sinning is to attack the part of you that wants to sin. So you can be violent toward your human nature, your 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 body, your your natural inclinations, and you can do tremendous violence to yourself and self-hatred and shame and anger that I can't get past this. I mean think of it, that's that is being a slave to something because you you you'll never accomplish it. You know, you're just caught in this constant work of trying to do something that you can't do. And there's a master there saying, it doesn't matter whether you can do it or not, keep trying. So I want you to listen to these readings as as a way of trying to answer that, how would I call it, that really unhealthy way of, of trying to figure out what God wants us to do in this world. He doesn't want us to stop sinning as a direct thing that we work for. He wants us to do something else, and it's so radically different. The one is a lot of effort, a lot of a lot of energy is giving into it. You've got to push, 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 force, 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 and it's a burden. It's really a burden. And you just run out of energy. 
And so when you hear in the gospel Jesus saying, look, if you just come to me and understand who I am and just know me and know what I'm there to teach you, this thing I'm asking you to do is not, not really difficult. It's easy. And it's, the burden is, is light. So how can you say fighting sin is going to be easy or it's not going to be something heavy? Well, it, it would have to mean that you're not the one in charge of getting rid of the sin. It's got to be done for you. In other words, what you're invited to do is not change yourself, but invite into you, or a better word, receive from God this gift of his spirit. The whole thing of the New Testament, Jesus entered into the world to show us what it means to be human, to struggle with all the things he struggled with, to have an ego that didn't want to surrender to the way the ministry was unfolding. He resisted God's plan initially in the Garden of Gethsemane. All those things, those are all parts of, of, of his flesh. But somehow, you know, he was able to witness for us the fact that the Father did live inside of him. And his, the, he would give, Jesus would always give the credit for anything he was able to do that was beyond human nature in its more basic form. Um, he would always give the credit to God. So what he's trying to say is, look, you have to understand that the whole thing that I've come to teach is not about you being in control of the weaknesses of your flesh and, 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 and demanding and forcing yourself to do what's right. No, I'm saying you can't do that. You, you're not going to be successful in that. What you've got to do is allow something to happen to you. Let me come into you and something is going to radically change. Well, how would it change? Well, it's because, as Paul says, there is a spirit that's given to your mortal bodies and it dwells inside of you. And we're no longer going to be under the power of the flesh and be slaves to the flesh. We're going to live according to something else. It's the spirit of God living inside of us. And so when Jesus is talking in the gospel and he's saying, you know, Father, and it's rare that we have a, 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 a quote in Scripture of, of Jesus talking to the Father, but this is interesting. All right, He's come to change everything for us. He's come to change the whole way in which we focus on ourselves and God. He, he took away from us the burden of a law that we have to follow and the punishment that is due to that law if we fail. He took that all away and gave us something else, a gift, spirit dwelling in us, God living in us. And the most interesting thing about that dynamic when God comes into us, it doesn't change us radically. I mean, it doesn't all of a sudden we don't have any more sin. No. No, the sin remains and we still find ourselves overcoming it. And the way we overcome it is not through our own effort, but through the gift of the Spirit. But here's the genius of God. Does he take away the sin? Does he take away the flesh, the desires of the flesh, when he heals us of, of, of its power over us? No. No, he leaves it. We deal with it constantly. It just, it evolves. I mean, at one time, my flesh was demanding attention from people. Now, my flesh demands something else that's a little more <laughs> sophisticated, maybe. Like, I really would like to be, you know, I really like to be good at what I do, and I'd really like to be effective, and not so much because I want people's attention, which was the beginning, but I just want to know that I'm really, really spectacular. I mean, <laughs> God, 
I mean, that's, that's ego, you know? So what he's saying is, if you'll let me enter into you and let your, let your, your, your humanity remain there, you'll always be patient and kind to other people that are struggling. You don't get rid of the struggle. You get rid of the failure of giving in over and over and over again. Being slave to a sin means sin is more powerful than you are. Yes, that's true, but not any longer, not since redemption. No, the Spirit enters into you, and the Spirit can see through sin in 10 seconds. It never produces what it promises. It never, ever is what we really think it will be. And that's called wisdom. And Jesus says so clearly to his Father, you know, the only people that can get this are the people that are teachable, the people that don't have a focused interest in their ego being the thing that makes them into who you want them to be. They're open, they're receptive, they're needy. Children are the easiest people to teach because they don't have any sense of their own autonomy on their own. They, they need someone outside of them to help them. And unfortunately, we grow out of that. <laughs> but spiritually, we never grow out of it. Spiritually, we're always in this disposition of needing and longing for someone inside of us who gives us the strength and the wisdom and the ability to make the right decision. We change, but we never become perfect. <laughs> I think perfection was the greatest mistake that, no, the greatest lie that I was giving, that I am supposed to get rid of my humanity. No, I'm supposed to welcome it, accept it, forgive it for what it is, be patient with it, but know there's something given to me that enables me to transform it in the moment and be a life-giving force to someone around me. Stop. 
Have a Little Faith in Me was performed by Jubilant Sykes and Jennifer Warrens. Closing Prayer Father, our faith has been formed by those around us, and so often they haven't given us the full picture. They haven't really opened us to the fullness of who you are and what you plan on doing within us and how close you are to us. So bless, bless all of us with trusting in the direction you can give to each of us if we open our heart to who you are. Just listen, meditate on who you revealed yourself to be so that we can feel the joy and the freedom and the peace that is our inheritance. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to remind you that the program you just listened to is available on our website, pastorreflectionsinstitute.com, as well as on our podcast, Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Finding God in Ourselves. It's free to listen to anywhere, anytime. This ministry also needs your support, so make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website. Thank you so much for your listenership and your continued support, for without it, this program would not be possible. Thank you.